Hey, Google, play In the Marbles with Soda and Ethan. All right, playing the latest episode of In the Marbles with Soda and Ethan. Spinning out of control, here we go Foot to the pedal, till it's touching the metal Let's rock and roll, yeah So they and get them tigers to screech and I beat them Checkered flags, last lap, nobody can beat them It's just that it's a party, put it on in a couple And hear us talk a lot of NASCAR in the audio Singing loud, we don't just want it out of mode We're getting dirty around here, yeah We're in the marbles we're in the marbles uh, We're in the marbles We're in the marbles Hey everybody, welcome to episode 8 of In the Marbles with Soda and Ethan My name's Soda, you can find me on Twitter at Soda underscore Hunter And I am Ethan, you can follow me on Twitter at Viva La Ethan How's your weekend been man, what's been going on? Man, I'll tell you, it's been a little bit of an up and down weekend, but all is well because I have an ice cold rowdy energy here and we're gonna we're gonna get through this podcast. I really like rowdy, but right now on a recording schedule, there's no way. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm drinking caffeine free stuff. <laughs> yeah. I think it's caffeine free. Actually, it might not be caffeine free, but there's no sugar, so it's it's fine. It works out. Maybe I should drink caffeine to be a little more lively. I felt like I wasn't that lively last week. Oh, I think you did fine. I don't know. <laughs> I kind of felt like I was um, a little droopy at the end. Oh, I think we both were, to be honest with you. <laughs> I know I hit my wall there uh, talking about something. I don't know. I actually just listened to uh, episode seven earlier today, actually. So yeah. I think that was a pretty decent episode last week. I don't want to brag too much, but I think we're starting to understand what we're doing a little bit better and uh the more we go i think the more we are a lot looser with it just kind of do whatever we want to yeah for sure so this is going to be episode eight give me a driver now uh, there's an obvious one yeah we don't have to name just one you can name or, or or even the obvious one give me a driver in the past present whatever for the number eight in nascar so the only person that pops up in my head when I think of the number eight is obviously Dale Earnhardt Jr. Mm -hmm. But I want to throw it. I want to throw it back to Hut Strickland in the number eight uh, Circuit City Ford. Yes, it was a Ford. Yeah, Ford. Yeah, that was uh, mid nineties, like ninety five, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. the old Circuit City car. Yeah. Well, that's not around anymore. It's definitely not. No. <laughs> Did you ever go on a Circuit City? I don't even know what that is. It's a, it's like a Best Buy. Yeah, I figured it was like a Best Buy because, I don't know, it just kind of sounds... It was Best Buy before Best Buy. Yeah, that's kind of what I, I came to the conclusion of. But um, no, I, I that was a little bit before my time. We actually got a uh, stereo system installed in our car at Circuit City once. Really? Yeah, that's all I am. Good. <laughs> Bought it there and they installed it right there in our little 2004 Chevy Aveo. Heck yeah. <laughs> anyway, eight... Hut Strickland was going to be the one I said. <laughs> so I can't say Hut Strickland now. There was an old Snickers car 
in the early 90s, that was number eight. Was that Rick Wilson? It was either Rick Wilson or Greg Sachs. I think it was Rick Wilson that drove the number eight Snickers car. Kyle, Kyle Busch actually had a throwback scheme to it a few years ago or last year. Whenever it was, he did a throwback to the Snickers car. I, um, I don't know. I think it was, I'm going to look that up. I want to say it was Rick Wilson. I know Kyle Busch has had quite a few um, really cool throwbacks. I think I know what you're talking about. That, that is um, it. Rick Wilson. Rick I was Wilson. right. How about that? <laughs> this is like 1990, 91, somewhere in there. Really neat looking car. It's all white with a, uh, like a Snickers wrapper design all the way around the car. It goes across the hood and down the side of the car and oh, around cool. the rear of the car. So it, it's almost like a red, red and chocolate stripe right around the center of the car lengthwise not like up and down where the roof and doors are i'm talking about like across the side over the hood and the trunk and then across the other side like it's wrapped like it's wrapped in a snickers bar that's really cool it's it's a really neat design for the time yeah exactly that's what i was going to say is uh for the time you know that's a really cool paint scheme i'm so drawn to those late 80s early 90s paint schemes something about them they're not all designed to look fast. They're designed right. to look classy. Right. You know, they're designed to uh, really stand out on the track. And even like the numbers, they don't they don't lean forward or back too much. Some of them do, but most of them sit straight up and down. Some of them are real curvy, not like a stylish, uh, fast-looking font. Uh, some of them are chrome with silver wheels. I mean, I, I love the designs of the late 80s. Something about it, they really... They really did everything they could to um, incorporate the sponsor into the design and still make it really classy looking. And for a long time, the paint jobs on local dirt tracks mimic that. Nowadays, the local dirt tracks have their own thing going. And I personally don't like the way paint jobs look nowadays on local dirt tracks. I, they all kind of look the same to me. The only ones that look different are the ones that, I mean, even not even local dirt tracks, but like your touring dirt series, like the mm-hmm. late models and stuff. They all have that same really fast looking number with like a solid color and a splash thing going down the side of it. Yeah. They all, they all look exactly the same. It's just different color combinations of it. I'm more drawn to something different, that old 80s style, something really different about that. In fact, if I ever do race again, I'm probably going to take an inspiration off an old 80s style design and make it my own. Yeah, for sure. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and get started. Ain't like we don't have anything to talk about this weekend. Goodness (laughs) gracious. This this weekend was um was interesting. I'm gonna start off right off the bat with our picks. Let's just mm-hmm. get that out of the way because my pick was, you know, it was like center of the whole world. Um, my pick, uh, Ross Chastain, finished eighth, and that gives me an average finish so far this year, twelve point eight six. I keep going back and forth, eleven, mm-hmm. twelve, thirteen, eleven, twelve. I'm constantly in there, but the higher up he finishes, you know, my guy's finishing you know, above 12th, at least I'm going to be gaining a little bit of ground once in a while. Right. But Kyle Busch got a second straight finish, second straight second place finish. Yeah. Don't remind me. And dang it. that was your pick. And that bumped you up to a 9.88 for the year. So you're back under 10. Yeah. Top 10. Here we are. So the old WWTR worldwide technology raceway, that race, uh, first of all, we were, we were right on the track. It was flat. Uh, it had a Darlington shape to it. Yeah. A little over a mile. It was like a mile and a quarter, I think. Mm-hmm. They were running 172, 176 or something on the end of the straightaways. Yep. On a mile and a quarter. On a flat mile and a quarter. That is booking it. Yeah. It's, uh, I 
I don't know about you, but I absolutely loved this race. Um, the racetrack was almost in perfect condition for me. Um, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about the race or like the overall. Um, Just because, you know, my favorite driver was uh, mixed up in a lot of stuff. Oh, <laughs> man. Ross Chastain, man. I'll tell you, he's aggressive and I like that about him. Uh, he definitely had his hands full this past weekend. He owned it, too. He did. And that's I think, um, you know, the last few weeks I've been kind of teetering back and forth on whether or not I like Ross Chastain. Um, <clears throat> after hearing that post-race interview, it definitely pushed me over the edge of i really like ross chastain um just because like that's so uncommon nowadays um to have a race car driver make that many mistakes and i wouldn't even really call them i mean they're mistakes but i would more deal it up to being like um racing situations you know um i don't think he oh, i mean obviously he didn't mal maliciously uh take out chase elliott or denny hamlin or anyone you know, mm -hmm. but uh, the way that he he manned up and he he said, "Man, I <laughs> I screwed up." You know, I can't be making these type of um, mistakes over and over at this premier uh, level level yeah. of of NASCAR. You know, for sure. So, um, yeah, Raj saying, man, I like the aggressive the aggressiveness of him, and uh, I think he's going to go a long way. I do too. I think he's going to end up being a really really big driver in the sport pretty soon. Maybe he can re reel it in some and uh, control it a little bit more and he can uh, end up being a big champion yeah. in the sport. Heck, maybe this year. Yeah. He's going to have a chance at it. And it isn't like he isn't going to go out there and give it everything he's got. You know he is because he's going to do it. He does every single week. The situation with him, like, okay, racing Hamlin door-to-door -door several times uh, throughout the first part of this race. And then he goes into uh, turn one and uh, between one and two, he dumps him. Larry Mack actually came on the broadcast later and he said, I looked at the telemetry. It isn't like he wasn't trying to get off of them. Right. He was on the brakes when he dumped them. So it's a product of him just driving over his head. Right. It's not a product of him. I am so sick of racing this guy. He's spinning out. I don't care. I'm done with him. It isn't like that. Then he took it that way. Right. But then again, maybe he didn't. Maybe he just knows that Ross Chastain is a guy that will be really aggressive and tend to race over his head once in a while because it sure isn't lack of talent that's keeping Ross Chastain uh, down a little bit. It's um, more like a lack of experience. Right, than talent. exactly. And the more he drives these cars and the more he knows exactly how aggressive he needs to be with certain things, especially now he's he found himself in amazing equipment all of a sudden. He didn't even really change anything. you know. And all of a sudden, he's just, boom, he's there in really good equipment. The right. whole team has got really good equipment right now. He is one of the premier teams in NASCAR right now. He's one of the only, what, three teams all year that has multiple wins um, after, yeah. this, after this week? It's uh, William Byron and the Hendrick, number 24, and then Ross Chastain are the only two that have more than one victory, I believe. Well, I think Joey does now. Oh, Joey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, Joey. Look on it. But I mean, Kyle Bush, he's one spot away from having three. Man, he's I'll tell right you. there. I mean, he's, I know he hates it. He absolutely hates it. You can see it in his face. He's, yeah. he's got a great interview after the race, but then he throws in his line. So, well, would you be happy? I mean, you know, something like that. Right. Like, uh, he hates it. He cannot yeah. stand running second back to back, but he's putting together a solid year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, um, I was just thinking about this, you know, when I was driving home, uh, from work the other day, I was like, you know what? Kyle Bush 
kind of was slept on a little bit, um, I believe, in 2019, walking into the – or I'm driving into the uh, championship four, um, you know, and then he kind of just quietly just won the championship. So I was kind of thinking, like, maybe this is the – Maybe this is kind of the same same situation going on. Maybe maybe we will be celebrating a third NASCAR Cup Series championship come uh, Phoenix. Those second-place finishes, I know they're not wins, but he's got him a win. He's yeah. in the playoffs, okay? The second-place finishes at the end of the year will keep him in the points league all the way to the final race. Oh, absolutely, 100%. Because nobody else is going to win all of them. You know, nobody's going to do that. Nobody's going to sweep three races at a time right? and move on to the next round. But second place finishes, that's going to keep him right there. And I bet he's not going to cry about it if he finishes second at Phoenix this year and he's the top guy in the championship. Oh, absolutely. I he's bet he still would, cry. though. You <laughs> think? Mean, yeah, yeah, heck yeah, he will. Like he'll be still... mad at the end of it. It's like, well, I didn't well, win, because though. That would be the first time um, since the playoff format that a champion did not end up winning the race. It would be because they, yeah. um, something about this championship format, they, um, they always seem to bring the absolute best possible thing they have yeah. for the very last race. And they always run one, two, three, four. Yeah, Unless somebody always. has a problem, they're always on top of each other. One, two, three, four. The whole yeah. race, too. It's it's so unique, the way that the way that it turns out like that. It's, it's almost like there's nobody else racing. It's just those four. I Which think I think I- was the argument against it earlier. Like, the TV's not going to pay yeah. attention to anybody but the championship players, but that's how it was anyway. So. I was going to say, I, th- I think Ross Chastain is driving down my street right now. <laughs> like, my goodness. It sounds very aggressive outside. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. You know, um, it's, I was supposed to go to Phoenix in November to watch the truck Xfinity and Cup Series championship races. Uh, that did not, it's not going to happen now because of just, you know, financial situations and stuff. But that's a trick. That is a trick. Yeah. Um, oh man. But like what I've heard about Phoenix is like, there's not a bad seat in the house. So that's kind of what I was, I was hoping for, but yeah, it's going to be a really expensive, <laughs> a really expensive, yeah. uh, situation to be a part of, but they, uh, they did. I, did I just see somewhere this week that Phoenix said that they are sold out for the championship races? You know, WW, uh, well, I got to remember the name of this dang track. Gateway. Yeah, I was like, you can just call it Gateway. I'm calling it Gateway. Forget this thing. <laughs> W-W-E-F-G-T-R Raceway. Yeah. I don't care nothing about this. Gateway said they were sold out, too. Yeah, they they, um, they definitely were. No. No, they weren't. You don't turn think so? Two, turn two was empty. Oh, see, I didn't, I didn't yeah. notice that. Yeah, they they showed it uh, before, the, um, before the green flag started. Hmm. Uh, it was a shot of them going down the back straightaway. And it was probably three quarters full. Oh. Like sporadic, you know. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, the front stretch was absolutely sold out. They were packed. Turn two, no. Hmm. You know, they. It was a great crowd, great race, great track. But I hate it when they lie about stuff. If it was sold out, then whoever bought all those tickets didn't resell them. Yeah, you know, and that's that's just usually how it works. When somebody says they're sold out, that means companies bought all the tickets to resell. The tickets are sold. The track made their money. If they don't make their money back reselling them. You know, that that is what it is. But the track sold their tickets. The track sold it out. And sometimes the event warrants it and everybody packs in and sometimes it doesn't. Right. That's how it is with college football, NFL. That's how it always is everywhere. Let's get back to Ross Chastain for a second here. Yeah. He had that situation happen. And then 
you could see it happening with Hamlin where he was going to get his car repaired if he could. I was thinking for a minute he wouldn't be able to because it was the same problem Chase Elliott had last week, like what broke. But they were actually able to get it repaired in time. I don't understand quite how he was going to minimum speed. I cannot imagine he was going to minimum speed. I I kind of noticed that too. Um, man, he was really off the pace. He was half throttle trying to let Ross Chastain get to him. Yeah. And the first time he did, he run him all the way down to the grass. Like, okay, cool. You made your point. You're, you're unhappy. Cool. The next time, I don't think there was much going on other than then he kind of just held him up a little bit, but Ross got by him pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then there was an incident later with Chase Elliott, but that I cannot in my wildest dreams imagine how somebody can blame that on Ross Chastain. He was right in the middle of a three wide mm-hmm. and Austin didn't hold the bottom. Austin came up that track. Chase came down the track. There's Chastain. I mean, Ch- Chastain can't go lower. Austin's coming up the track on him. He's got nowhere to go. And everybody was doing that. You can't right. single out Austin. Uh, you can't single out Ross Chastain and say he was being too aggressive. Like, I saw four wide on the front straightaway. Everybody was driving that aggressive, especially on restarts, because that's when that was. You have to get your spots. And if you don't, you're not going to have a chance to win this race. And he had a fast enough car where he had a chance to win this race. He was ran- running in the top five when that deal with Hamlin happened. Yeah. It spun Chase Elliott out, and now Chase Elliott's mad too. <laughs> and you got at one point on a restart, you had Chase Elliott knocking Ross Chastain out of the way up near the wall, if not into it. I think he did uh, knock him into the wall. Then here come Hamlin, sideswiped him, and pretty much just put a parachute on and just played a blocker yeah. the whole time and pretty much dropped Chastain because Chastain at one point following him, he he, he couldn't, he didn't have it in him just to knock him out of the way. Yeah. I would have dumped Hamlin so hard. If that idiot is acting like a child in front of me and just swerving back and forth, trying to keep me behind him, I'm dumping him. Yeah. In fact, I'm dumping him in a bad way. Like I'm, I'm hooking him right in turn one because he's acting like an idiot and he needs to park. You know what I mean? That oh, was, yeah. was just too much. Was, yeah, I was, totally, I totally agree. I, you're gonna hear me like I'm talking to the listeners. Um, you're gonna hear me preach about how how we need drama, we need you know storylines, we need uh, rivalries, and you know that's kind of what I thought was gonna happen. But when I saw, you know, I, I was completely okay with Denny Hamlin throwing a really big block down the back straightaway, running. Yeah, Ross I, was, I was too. I was like, okay, well, that, that's he got it out of the system. Yeah, he gets it. He's mad at him. He's probably yeah. going to pay him back another time too. But he, his sole purpose of being out there the rest of the race was just to dog Chastain. Yeah, it, absolutely. Um, I was, I, I mean, when I saw, when I understood what he was doing, like, you know, trying to, you know, I mean, pretty much Denny Hamlin got in front of Ross Chastain and just hit the brakes, you know, mm-hmm. um, kind of getting him off, off sequence with everybody else. And, I'm I'm not a big fan of that, to be honest with you. Um, if I was Ross Chastain, I probably would have dumped him. Um, but I think almost that's what kind of what Denny Hamlin wanted. I think Denny Hamlin wanted him to dump him um, just so he had, okay, now this is something I can sink my teeth into. You know, if, if, if he didn't feel like he already had that, I felt like he already had that. Absolutely. Um, I didn't think it was going to go as – you know, as far as it did, but uh, I was very surprised, you know, it almost looked like when Denny Hamlin was getting uh, his post-race interview, it it almost looked like he didn't know about Ross Chastain's interview until 
I don't know, Jamie Little or, or whoever the interviewer was with Danny Hamlin said, oh, yeah, you know, Ross Chastain, we just heard from him, and and he's taken full, you know, full credit for or full responsibility for everything. It almost kind of looked like Danny was taken back by that. Uh, but Danny did say that he's still going to uh, – he's still going to put Ross Chastain in, in the fence. Yeah, he but said he's he, going to fence him hard. Yeah, and he has to, you know, he said that he has to do it when it when the time is right, when it, when it's a meaningful – race for him for you know for uh chastain uh so i mean that's the type of stuff that i'm really really interested in and okay you know okay now you know we had joey logano and, and william byron now we have denny hamlin and ross chastain this is good this is good because if anything you know for the next you know how many ever races we have left we're gonna think okay is, is this the week that denny hamlin's gonna fence him you know, or is he going to wait until the playoffs? Is he going to wait until Phoenix? You know, like what's you know, what's going to happen? So I'm all on board. I'm spot on for Denny Hamlin, you know, no, I mean, not I'm spot on for the drama that comes with this rivalry. And I don't, I mean, I don't even really call it rivalry because it's kind of a one-sided rivalry at this point, but I feel like Ross Chastain understands and he knows that, Hey, I have one coming. I think, the Chastain and Elliot thing is kind of dwindled down. I don't think that's going to be an issue moving forward. Yeah, I don't either. But uh, definitely Denny Hamlin and, and Ross Chastain, every time they get around each other on the racetrack, you best believe camera, you know, TV cameras and everybody will be watching that, you know, that particular uh, battle for whatever position it is. It'd be all ones, one yeah. versus 11. <laughs> but this is how I feel about that, about what happened Sunday. I have seen less than that, what, what Hamlin did, get black flagged on a local dirt track, let alone a big multi-million or billion dollar company like NASCAR letting that go like that. And having one of their drivers, when NASCAR warns him, warns Hamlin, that's enough, you made your point, Hamlin goes, ha ha ha, laughs in their face. Right. Immediately. That's a black flag to me. Immediately, that's a disqualification. You're sitting out the rest of the race. That, my opinion, if I'm running the race and I tell him, okay, you made your point, and he laughs at that, I'm throwing the black flag. I mean, I'm sorry. You're, you're parked. I'm not going to take, I'm, as a sanctioning body, they cannot put up with that. But they did. They let it go. So what's all the warning going to do when they don't do anything about it, right? Yeah. So. I mean, I, I see where it's, you know, I definitely see where you're coming from with that, um, that point of view for sure. You know, I mean, if I was, I mean, let's look at all the times that Kyle Bush got either, you know, parked for something that he said over the radio or, or, you know, the, the one finger salute to, you know, at, at Texas or whatever the case may be. And it's like, man, like, come on, get, get I these wonder, guys, man. <laughs> I wonder if it's because one, Denny is a team owner in the cup series. And two, he had some outspoken comments on the way NASCAR is run uh, a few weeks ago on Dale Jr.'s podcast. Yeah. I wonder if any of that played into their decision to not force the issue with Hamlin. I don't know, but you know what I can tell you is, is NASCAR, we need consistency. My goodness, either... You know, maybe this offseason, NASCAR just needs to go take the rule book and just, man, just really revamp it you know because i'm getting really frustrated really tired of you know us seeing the same thing over and over again but like one week 
they get penalized. Then the next week they don't, you know, it's like, man, you're making it really hard for fans to, to, you know, try to follow along because like what, you know, I I don't understand, but I I sure hope so that uh, I sure hope that NASCAR takes a a look at it in the future and and definitely revamps the rule book a little bit. So the Fords, they did really good on this track. There's, it's it's funny how it's hard to pinpoint exactly what's going on with the Fords. Right. They started off really strong, and then they pretty much went to crap. But now, all of a sudden, they started coming back. They're on it right now. The problem is with the Fords is they have tire problems. Right. They have more tire problems than any other manufacturer. I mean, Chevy some too, but it seems like Fords... When they're up front, they're having tire issues, and it's always like left rear. And I, it's a weird tire to me to have an issue with because normally you think the right side would get the more stress, right rear, right front. Those are the main ones that always go. But left rear popping on a straightaway is something so unique to me. It's 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 like when there's no stress on the tire. And Goodyear was made a weird comment saying that. The damage they do to these tires is based on camber and other issues like this that the teams do, and usually it's implemented in the first three or four laps of a run. It doesn't manifest itself until about 40 or 50 in. What the heck does that mean? Mm. What in the world? I don't really... I mean, I agree with that to an extent about the, you know, with how aggressive the race teams are with camber and stuff. Build a better tire. But at the end of the day, (laughs) it's like, man, it's... I can guarantee you there is not a single team in NASCAR right now in the Cup Series that is putting too much camber in the left rear. Yeah. I can absolutely <laughs> guarantee you that. Like, that is so bizarre to me. And to, and I don't understand, like, these tires normally are, you know, in past seasons, they've been blowing in the middle of the turn. And mm-hmm. now we're seeing tires blow out in the in the middle of the straightaway which is good because you can, you know, kind of, okay, yep. I, I know I have a tire going down. So like back it down, try to lock her up, you know, try to just slow her down instead of just, you know, have the steering wheel turned completely left. And then all of a sudden your car goes sharp, right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm glad mm-hmm. that that's happening, but it's like, man, yeah, yeah. It's much better than blowing right fronts in the middle of yeah. a turn at max G G force. Right. It's, it's just, much better than that. I'm just ready for Hoosier to, to come on <laughs> in. We said we were gonna we said we were gonna talk about that this week. Let's push that off. We have a lot going on this week. We'll push that off to another time. I do want to do a Hoosier Goodyear discussion and say because that's really interesting. For anybody listening that doesn't quite understand camber when we're talking about it, uh, I think we mentioned it before, but just real quick, tires, if you look on your street car, they go straight up and down. When you get into a race car and it pulls so much force to the right. If you left those tires straight up and down, the left side of the tires would be off the pavement and you would be losing grip. You would be sliding the tires because less tire is actually contacting the pavement. So what they do is they adjust the tires to where the top of them leans, I guess, uh, to the left from the back. If you're looking at it from the back, I guess they lean to the left. So you're running on the sidewalls down the straightaways, but you don't need the grip on the straightaways. You're going fast, straight. You don't need no grip. But when you get to the corners, the car leans, and now the full tire is contacting the asphalt. That gives you max grip. That's what camber is. I cannot imagine that they're putting so much camber in these tires that it's 
popping them going down the straightaways. Yeah. That <laughs> blows my mind that Goodyear doesn't think they have a tire problem. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know who's, who's putting out these uh, statements on behalf of Goodyear, but man, they, they need a, I don't know. They need to sober up before making any sort of public statements. I'll tell you what. Well, let's go into the finish of the race. Um, it looked like, I can't, I can't really remember now because so much happened at the end of this race. It looked like Joey Logano had it at one point, but then it looked like Kyle Busch had it on the next restart. And uh, he was doing a real good job keeping Joey behind him. And then there was another caution and it came down to a green white checkered and Kyle Busch got out. Did he get out front? On the green white checker, where they kind of stay side by side until Kyle oh, Busch lost it a little bit. No, not at all. Um, Kyle just Kurt Busch wasn't ready for the restart, and Kyle yeah, didn't Kurt, have help. Kurt didn't help him at all. It is what it, it that is what that is. I mean, Kyle was the leader of the restart. He was the one. He was the go man because I believe he was actually in the lead when the last green white checkered started. Yes, he, and he was. chose the outside. I believe. Yeah, he chose the outside because it was it was a better line uh, through one and two, but he said his race car worked way better on the bottom. So the, the thought process behind it was that he wanted the outside and what Kyle Busch normally does when he's the leader, he'll stick his hand out the window and he'll, you know, he'll motion to the person behind him. Okay. I'm going to go, you know, and he'll start doing the, the, come on, come on, push me with his hands and that will give him a, a really good launch. Well, what he was saying was Joey Logano was on the bottom side and he was hanging back about half a car. So Joey Logano was sitting there watching Kyle's hand. So as soon as Kyle would start doing the motion to come on, let, you know, give me a little tap here. That's when Joey Logano was going to hit the throttle. And he, I mean, Kyle Busch was a setting duck either way. If he would have chose the inside lane, he would have been able to do the hand motion and he would have been able to take off and he would have won that race. So I think that's what a lot of frustration for me uh, and Kyle Busch came down to was after the race was, man, if I would have just chose the inside, it would have been perfect and I would have won this race. And he could have even had the opportunity to uh, drive him up the track a little bit and door him a little bit just to try to get that win. Oh, I mean, this is Joey Logano we're talking about. Just, just dump him. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I mean, I, I wait I till after know. you take the white flag because you don't want another green white checker. <laughs> true, <laughs> that's true. strategy. If you're gonna dump somebody, you gotta dump them right now. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, overall, it was a really, really good race, really entertaining race. Um, yeah. frustrated the mess out of me because I felt like Denny Hamlin acted like a child through most of it, but you know, that is what it is. And, um, and giving Ross Chastain. All the credit in the world. Post-race, nobody was going after anybody. Ross wasn't going after Hamlin. Hamlin wasn't going after Ross. They both just kind of did their own thing with interviews. Ross wasn't upset or mad about Hamlin. He said, I get what I deserve when I drive like that. Yeah. And that blew me away. I did not expect that to come out of his mouth. Right. The way he drives reminds me, uh, in this race anyway, not on a talent level or anything like that, but on an aggressive level, the way Earnhardt drove. Yeah. He would, he would drive the same way. I mean, he wouldn't drive over his head. He would mean to drive that way. You know, it, it's, he had all the experience in the world and he meant to be that aggressive and he made everybody mad too. But this is the difference between Dale Earnhardt and every other driver that ever drives like that. Nobody would ever do what Hamlin did to Dale Earnhardt. Right. Nobody would do that. 
because Earnhardt would make your life miserable for the rest of the year if you did that. Right. That's the yeah, respect absolutely. Earnhardt demands mm -hmm. as opposed to anybody else. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I totally agree with you on that one. So I think that's going to wrap that up with um, old Gateway. Let me just say, like, I did not realize that Gateway was closer to me than what Texas Motor Speedway was by an hour. So, and obviously it was way too late and, and I wouldn't have been able to to do anything anyways. But next season, I am planning on going to both Kansas races for the Cup Series, both Texas races, the All-Star and then the uh, point race later in the season. And I'm going to try to go to Gateway too. It looks like a fun place to go. It really, really does. does. It looks super fun. And I'm going to, I don't know if this will work out or not, but I'm going to really try to go to the Coke 600. I really want to go to that one. It's, it's a marathon. Yeah. <laughs> Driving there is going to be a marathon because it's 15 hours away. <laughs> like 1,004 miles away. <laughs> I can do it. Yeah. I got that beautiful 2019 Toyota Tacoma on my side. So no doubt that I can get there in style. So we also had two different races <laughs> this weekend, the truck race at mm. Gateway and the Xfinity in Portland. And am I right in, in hearing that that was the first time that they were at Portland? I believe so. Of I course. Don't, um, I, don't know. I, I think I heard that. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I don't know. Because they run at a bunch of different road courses that cup and truck don't run at. Right. You know I mean, they, they run in Canada. Right. They did. I don't know if they still do, but they did. The trucks, we were just talking about uh, Hosevar last week. He had yeah. a nasty wreck on the last lap of this one. He got T-boned in the door. Mm -hmm. From what I understand, everything's fine. Uh, he might have some issue with his uh, leg or his foot. Yeah. I haven't heard the um, full report on that yet. I think he's trying to keep it private until he knows everything. A little, a little bit scary there for a little for a minute, um, especially if you heard any of his uh, in-truck in audio. I was going to say, did you happen to hear that? Because, man, he was, it's not like he was in a lot of pain and it took him a long time to, to get over there. But, you know, in a situation like that, I feel like if I, you know, if I felt like my, um, my foot was hurt or something, I would have kept the window net up. And, you know, I know yeah. that's yeah. a, you know, for the listeners, um, if you're involved in a, uh, you know, a wreck in NASCAR, the first thing, if you're okay, they always want you to put the window net down. So it gives the safety crew an idea. Okay, well, his window net is down. Okay, he's good. You know, whatever. I would have probably kept it up if I, you know, realized that I was hurting or if I was in pain of some sort just to get the urgency over to my truck right now. You know, if the other two trucks that were involved, they have their window net down. Okay, cool. Mine's still up and I'm, you know, I'm in pain. Like, please come check on me instead of putting it down and then like trying to scream out, like, help me, help me. They're not going to hear you, you know? Yeah, I guess it's just second nature at this point. Yeah, exactly. Some of them just to drop the window net. If they're conscious and alert of it, they drop the window net, regardless of how much pain they're in, it seems right. like. So Portland was covered in rain. Yes, it was. The entire race. That's always interesting. Uh, NASCAR uh, cars are really heavy. Mm. They're really big. And they don't run that well in rain. But for some reason... We have rain tires for road courses. I I guess if you go to somewhere like Portland, where it's, you know, in that top uh, far northwest of the country, where it rains a lot, <laughs> you kind of have to do that if you're going to go there. And sure enough, it rained all weekend. 
and it kind of um, creates a cluster. Yeah, it does. When it comes to the race. Not that it's not entertaining. It's absolutely entertaining. But, you know, when you go to a restart and everybody goes down to turn one and six, seven, eight cars spin out every single time, it's just like, what are we doing? Right. You know? But uh, A.J. Allmendinger wound up winning that race, and then he hopped in a plane and flew to St. Louis to make the cup race the next day. So that's that's always neat when you see somebody do that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what happened with Ty Gibbs? <sighs> I, so uh, you're gonna. I don't even remember the guy's name. Ah, uh, you're gonna throw me into a shoot on this one. Okay, <laughs> let me just let me readjust my chair here. Okay, so here's the dealio, Mysterio. Okay, so if you are in NASCAR, right? You know, I understand, you know, you're in the ARCA series and, and you're trying to make a name for yourself and you eventually from ARCA, you go to trucks and then from trucks, you go to Xfinity. From Xfinity, you go to Cup Series. What's his name? Raja? I don't even know. That's what I said. I don't even know the guy's name. I've I never heard of him before. I'm not for sure. Um, no, it was uh, Jesse. Jesse, um, I can't pronounce his last name. It's like, it, I... It's somebody that never does anything notable. Yeah, so... Um, this particular race car driver, I'm not saying that he's talentless. I'm not saying that at all because he would, you know, he wouldn't be there in NASCAR mm -hmm. if he wasn't talented. Um, he just hasn't had the best, um, he hasn't had the best, uh, equipment. So he hasn't been in super fast race cars like Joe Gibbs racing or, or Hendrick or any of that stuff. So from what I'm understanding, Ty Gibbs is the race leader. The caution comes out. I'm guessing Jesse. I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce. I'm just going to call him Jesse. Jesse gets the lucky dog. So Jesse is not on the lead lap. So Jesse goes around, you know, he stays out. He uh, doesn't, he doesn't, if he wants to get the wave around, he can, he has to forfeit his opportunity to pit. So mm -hmm. that's what he was doing. And from what I'm understanding is there was a, some miscommunication. Uh, I guess Jesse spotter said, get around the leader, you know, let's get on the lead lap because they have to go all the way around this, this long uh, road course um, to get caught back up before they go back, you know, racing. So I don't know if, you know, Ty's spotter didn't know what was happening or, or what, but man, going into one of the chicanes, Jesse just absolutely just clobbers Ty Gibbs and Ty Gibbs. Let's, let's not forget is the race leader at that point. And this Jesse guy is just running around in 30th out of, you know, 32 cars. Um, so it just completely annihilates, um, Ty Gibbs in this, in this chicane. So of course, Ty, you know, I mean, he, he recovered to come back to seventh, but oh man, how, and I, and after the race, Jesse completely, you know, um, he took ownership of it and said, Oh my gosh, like, I'm so sorry. Like that was my fault. I get that. But man, if you cannot do this, like if you, yeah, the race is under caution, dude, and you take out the leader, that's insane. I don't know nothing about, you know, I, I haven't been in a NAS, NASCAR race car before, but I'm pretty sure they come with brakes. <laughs> and if well, if this it, hole was you know closing it was up, wet it was uh, wet i mean he was driving <laughs> at like 30 miles an hour like there's no excuse just like a boneheaded just a boneheaded uh maneuver by by this guy and so i mean i probably i don't i don't see this individual being a part of the xfinity series for for a while um after that move it's just it's completely out of this world um 
one in a million type of mistake. And I don't want to bash. I don't ever like bashing on race car drivers. I really don't because they are way more talented than I am. And I'm just a, you know, a couch racer, but man, what a boneheaded mistake that was for him. And I hope to see him, you know, cause I'm sure he's talented. I think, I, I don't know. It's Jesse, this, this guy. And then, uh, Raja, <sighs> I don't know. I get the I get them confused all the time. But one of those guys are the point. I think it's Raja is the uh, point standings leader in the Arca series. I think Jesse is full time in truck series, and maybe that's where he needs to stay for a couple more seasons. Um, because man, what a just <sighs> what a boneheaded move. Okay, so we got to be moving on from the race this past weekend because um, we have a movie review. This is. Ethan's introdu- introduction into this uh, Disney quest. I got him on here. And the first movie I believe was a really good one for this mm-hmm. was cars, the original cars from Pixar. And it's a movie that I know I've seen probably a thousand times. I've even watched it this weekend. Once I, uh, me and Ethan come up with this to, for him to review it this week, just so I could get brushed up on it. So first impressions, man, what'd you think? Uh, first off, I want to thank you for loaning me your, your Disney plus information because, sure. oh man. Um, so do you want the honest opinion or do you want like the podcaster opinion? Now tell me what you thought of it, man. I did not like it. Why did, why didn't you like it? What, what was wrong? With I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I just, it was so hard to get through that movie. I I don't know. I just and I sat there and I watched it. Um I found myself very much like, man, I can't wait for this to be over. <laughs> I I mean, I don't know. I there's not I mean, I think the animation of it was really off the charts actually. Mm-hmm. Um the detail like in the tires and all that stuff like that was really cool. And I mean, overall it's a really fun idea, but for me personally, I'm not a cartoon guy. I'm not even a movie guy. I can't, you know, I can't sit there and watch, uh, a, a, you know, an hour and a half movie, but I can sit there and watch 500 laps at Bristol. No problem. Um, I've always just been like that. And I think it stems from, I used to work at a movie theater and uh, as security. And one of my jobs was I had to go in there and watch the movies, but I had to like watch people too. Um, stuff like that so i sat like i sat through frozen when that when that movie first came out um i think i watched it 42 times so so you you went insane then yeah so yeah okay when it comes to movies like it has to be something that i am super intrigued with like the new batman movie with robert pattinson i'm really excited i really want to watch that um never had a chance to yet but i don't know it's just man I'm just not here for it, honestly. So this particular movie, was it the, because it had a lot of racing in it, but the racing was condensed to the very beginning and the very end. The whole section in the middle of it, after the first 15 minutes and before the last 15 minutes was story. Like uh, Lightning McQueen kind of realizing that uh, he doesn't need to be the way he was and he could slow down and he can make friends because he didn't have any friends or anything either. And he could appreciate the small things and appreciate like his friendships and stuff before he went back out to the racetrack for the final tiebreaker race. 
it was that middle section that bothered you or did you not like the racing parts either? I mean, the racing, I don't know. Like, I think the movie as a whole just did not hit my marks at all. Hmm. Um, I, I mean, I saw what you were talking about with like the Daryl Waltrip and the Richard Petty and even the Dale Jr. little, you know, pass by little thing. And I, I mean, it was a good movie if I was like six. I'm 28 and I just, it, it's not, but, but then again, you're talking to someone that absolutely despised Talladega Nights. Let's see. I felt like this movie treated NASCAR with a lot more respect than Talladega Nights did. See, I didn't see that. And and I'm not saying like, well, they didn't make fun of the sport, right? They did not make fun of it. That's for sure. And it, you know, I think it was a really good way to get, children or younger you know young adults into nascar by watching that i think that's a fantastic idea cars you know if if i had a you know if i had a child you know they would definitely be watching cars cars two cars three you know anything i really respect that you know what nascar and disney was trying to do or pixar or whatever it is i was trying to do is trying to get more you know younger i feel like it could have made young uh more younger viewers more interested in nascar but like as a 28 year old guy that's you know not into movies not into cartoons not into really animation of any sorts um it just it it drug on for me well when it comes to animation to me personally you can't look at it as a children's form of entertainment because there's so much out there now that it's definitely not a children's form of entertainment when it comes to animation and I feel like Pixar movies, some Disney also, but mostly the Pixar movies from Disney, mm-hmm. they really sway away from that. And they try to hit both levels. They try to hit the children, yes, but they also try to get the adults really engaged in the story. Did you say, and I know, wait, did you say that they try to hit children? Yeah, they try to hit children. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, they try to get both of them, is what I'm saying. And, Cars does the story itself doesn't necessarily aim for the adults, but they I guess they feel like the adults will see the details and the love that they have for the actual sport that Mm -hmm. they and all the effort they put in to make sure that everything it, it looks and feels the way it should. Even as far as like seeing marbles fly up the track, seeing the tires compress the way that we're talking about, like with camber and stuff seeing uh the little fox tracker back in the day when that came out fox would oh yeah little things sure. up top and it would have the little uh arrows pointing down at the cars and there would always be one of them that it wasn't in the same spot it would be off off the car the graphics would be messed up that way in real life so they messed it up in the movie too where chick hicks actually his graphic was not on the car i thought that was hilarious and yeah. so much attention to detail you could tell that the people that made this movie loved nascar or they studied it so hard they became a big fan of nascar yeah absolutely 100 i completely agree with that um there were little things that i was like oh that's really cool oh that's pretty neat but like overall i was just mostly like okay like i'm so over this (laughs) if you if you take the mindset of animations for children out of your head and put this mindset of animation is a bunch of people creating something out of nothing, mm-hmm. creating art, 
on screen. I mean, they have to create everything. Right. They have to create the the look. They have to create the characters. They have to create the uh, designs of everything. They have to create the actual animation, and they have to create all the sound. There's nothing in that computer that they don't make. Right. They don't hand make everything. If you look at it that way and you see all the effort that everybody puts into this, I tend to be really appreciative of it because it's hard. It's extremely hard work. And to see something like these Pixar movies be pulled off that well, it's amazing. It's amazing that they're able to do it. And they've been doing this since Toy Story 1 in 1995. Right. It's, it's really incredible. But when it comes to cars... You had the big moment at the end with the king, and uh, they said they actually looked at some of Richard Petty's old wrecks and modeled that wreck after like some of his old wrecks. And really cool moment. I'm going to spoil the crap out of it, so if you don't like it, I don't care. This movie's been out forever. <laughs> Where Lightning actually stops. He's not going to win the championship now, and Chick Hicks wins it, which is cool. They gave the championship to a bad guy, and he comes back and pushes the king to finish his final race that didn't get you at all no come that, on man I, so because maybe I'm, in real life maybe where he I'm, came out like the last two or three laps of his final race to finish it after he got caught up in a big fiery crash halfway through it. i don't know maybe i'm just heartless i don't know but man i just i watched that that was probably the cringiest part you know i was just like yeah, there's no way that this guy is going to freaking win this race, you know, and, and go on to win the championship and get the sponsor and all that stuff. You know, I was like, I bet he's going to do something. He's going to be the hero, you know, all this stuff. And sure enough, slams on the brakes. And I don't know. It was just for me, it was just very, um, I don't know. It was just. So what about the dirt track driving aspect of it? The appreciation they have for that culture. I did notice that and I you know the whole turning right to make a left hand turn like that was beautiful and I, I was like okay that's really cool I'm not saying like this movie was trash you know it was a really awesome movie um, when it came to like animation and all that stuff like you could tell that they really really went in on it you know with the with the you know the music and the the sounds and all that stuff. I, I, I can definitely appreciate what they were going for. Um, and you know, like my nephew, he loves this movie. He loves lightning McQueen and all that stuff. And Tater Mater, whatever his name is. Um, you know, like, and I appreciate that because like my nephew, he's not into NASCAR, but like if he comes over and I'm watching the race, he's like, Oh, lightning McQueen. And he points to my TV, but it's actually like an Xfinity series race or something. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, pretty much, you know? Um, but man, it was just, I don't know. It was just all around, not for me type of movie. Okay. Well, we're going to keep going. <laughs> next oh, week. Next, no, 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 no. <sighs> next week is Cars 3. No. Oh, yes. Gosh. Look, no. Let me tell you about Cars 3 oh, real quick. Where this one had that whole middle section where there wasn't racing at the front and the end of it. This one it really, really dives deep into the history of NASCAR. I mean, it, it, it feels like this movie feels more like a love letter to NASCAR than the first one did. Car, okay. Like I said, me personally, I feel because I like animation, though, mm -hmm. you know, take, take it for what it's worth. I feel like cars three is the best racing movie. I know Oh gosh, days of thunder is really good. And it's up there. 
it was always number one, but I saw Cars 3. I'm like, it just, Cars 3 is what I wish Days of Thunder 2 would be. Like, I wish they would make a Days of Thunder 2, and it would pretty much say, be Cars wait 3. A minute. There's a Days of Thunder 2. Yeah. <laughs> I wish they would make Days of Thunder 2, and <sighs> it would be Cars 3. Gosh, dang. But now that we have Cars 3, I guess I don't really need a Days of Thunder 2. I have Cars 3. I, I will literally pay you money if I don't have to do this. <laughs> You're going to like Cars 3. It's, like I said, it it dives into the history of the sport, and we're talking beach. They know, they like the beach track oh. at Daytona. We're talking old, old dirt track in NASCAR. We're talking. We're, we're even looking at like local Saturday night racing in this. Oh, okay, it's it's really really interesting, <clears throat> and roles get changed around, and you meet some classic NASCAR race cars. Uh, voiced one of them, voiced by um, Junior Johnson, actually. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's really really neat. Um, Mater has a smaller part; he's barely in it. So if he grinded on your nerves a little bit, because part two is all about him. He's the star of the show. Oh. There is no NASCAR in part two. I don't want to. I don't want you to watch part two. Yeah. I'm if you not hated this to. movie, which I don't think you hated it. No, I didn't but hate it. If you didn't like this one as much, you will. You will hurt me for making you watch part two. <laughs> I I want to hurt you for making me watch the no, first one. <laughs> you'll well, you'll like three. I I feel like you'll like three if you can put your mindset to kind of get it away from animation for little kids. Why am I a grown man watching this kind of thing? And just get yourself into the story as much as you can. Get invested in the characters as much as you can. I understand. I understand. If it's not for you, it's not for you. But Pixar has this amazing ability to really suck you into the story. A lot of people, it didn't. I will admit, a lot of people with Cars, it didn't do that. If I feel like in order to really, really appreciate Cars, you have to really be a NASCAR fan, right? Like a hardcore NASCAR fan, right? And three is even more hardcore than one was. And one, one was a pretty good NASCAR movie. And three is even more into it, like deeper into NASCAR than part one was. It dives into so many issues as a performer because you got to think in this world of cars, it isn't like these are just race cars, you know, that, you know, people go out there and, and drive and then normal people come back and do their normal thing and they go back out on the weekends and they drive again. These are the athletes. Like these are your football players. They are the football player. They are the race car. There is no football in cars. The athletes that are known worldwide are these race cars. So that's their life. You know, they were born and trained to do this, and that's what they do. It's if you can't really deep dive too deep into the actual logistics of this world, cars two tries to do that crap, and it makes it really really bad. But they take all that away in Cars 3. You don't dive into this. You just follow the story. You don't try to think, well, how do they go to the bathroom? Or something stupid like that. Because even though you see that joke at the beginning of the Cars 1 with the line, yeah, uh, all the female cars brake checking each other going into the bathroom and the men are just speeding in and out. That was funny. Cars 3 doesn't, doesn't make you uh, ask those questions. Cars 1 did a little bit. Cars 2 makes you ask those questions. Like, what is this world? You know, why does this one car, instead of eyes being on the windshield, it's on the headlights? Mm. And they make a big deal about that in Cars 2. Like, oh, my God, you know what? What is that? That's freaky, you know, and they run away from it. But anyway, that's off the, off the rails a little bit. 
I want you to give Cars 3 a fair and honest shot. Okay, yeah, no problem. Um, really, hang on, really fast. Uh, hey Siri, give me a Spark Note summary of Cars 3. Okay, yeah, I'll be ready next next week. No problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I totally I'm will. gonna I'll... ask you details. <laughs> Gosh, dang it. And I can see if you watch it. I have your Disney I Plus know. information. I'm literally on your your freaking thing. So that that really sucks. Um no, <laughs> no, I'll watch it. Um I'll probably hate my life while I watch it, but I'll definitely watch it. Um yeah, ask me a question. See if I actually watch it because that'll keep me uh <clears throat> hold me a accountable for it but gosh oh, I will. speaking uh, of questions we ooh. have a couple of questions yes we do good segue you didn't mean to do there yeah i did not mean to <laughs> so we actually have a few questions this week we um, do and let me just preference by saying like i am so excited when people ask us questions 100 mm-hmm. percent. i'm so excited about this so woo. um it's a lot of question yes a lot, it is. like it's a lot of it's like five questions total i think but it's a lot of in-depth stuff we could go in with these questions, and we're going to yes. try not to do that because we will make a three-hour podcast. Yes, we will. So we don't want to do that. I have to edit it. Uh, Drew from Tales from the Estate asked uh, a few questions. Uh, first off, what is your favorite NASCAR games? You oh, go ahead. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Okay. You're on spot <clears throat> right now. All right, perfect. Um, so when I was growing up, it was definitely NASCAR Thunder. Um, I remember being you know little and you know i just could never win i could never win and it bothered me and it pestered me uh and then i remember nascar thunder 2004 i won at atlanta driving the number 18 interstate battery bobby labani car and ever since then it was it was game on um nowadays you know the new nascar 21 ignition was just so hard it was not hard but it was just Unplayable. It wasn't good. Yeah, it wasn't good. So NASCAR 21 Ignition, which is the newest NASCAR game, is the equivalent of WWE 2K20. <clears throat> um, really hard. I gave it a good six months, and and they're on the right track. Um, I think this year's NASCAR game, as long as it has trucks and Xfinity uh, and the same uh, the same details, I think it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be off the marbles. Um, so. But right now, what I'm I'm addicted to is NASCAR Heat Five. Um, I have, you know, you can have a dirt late model team, uh, truck series, Xfinity series, and then Cup series, and that's what I'm doing right now. And I literally just played it all day um, today because I had the day off. So, um, love NASCAR Heat Five, absolutely. I just started getting back into NASCAR Heat Five. I uh, I have my own team in the truck series right now, number fifty three Hooters. Uh, I don't I actually don't know if it's a Chevy or what. I have no idea. I think it's a Toyota. I have Rowdy Energy on the driver uniform and all that good junk. Heck yeah, you do. But I'm progressing pretty slow. I just finished the race right before we recorded, actually, with um, what was the track I was just at? Homestead. Oh, yeah. At Homestead. And it's progressing kind of slow because you have to, when you build your own team, you have to slowly hire the employees and get them. Mm-hmm trained get them stuff. trained and yeah. and up your your uh departments and all this so i'm finally getting to where i'm a, about a 15th place car right now uh-huh. which isn't good it i mean which isn't bad but it's not great either just sped down pit road on the last pit stop and dropped myself back to 25th when i finished so that was fun 
But anyway, I'm getting back into that game a little bit now. That's uh, that is a really good one. My first game was one of my favorites. It was, and we're going to show our age difference here. My first game was NASCAR uh, Bill Elliott's NASCAR Challenge. It was on the very first Nintendo Entertainment System, and I still have that game. Not the exact copy I had when I was a kid. I actually didn't have it when I was a kid. I actually uh, rented it from a video store and played it all weekend. Never won. I was about to win at Talladega. Last lap, back straight with my engine blew up. Never won on that game. Now I have it nowadays, and I have this retro console that will play Nintendo, Sega, Genesis, and Super Nintendo games. So I played on that once in a while. But that's always been like one of my favorite games. And But my favorite game of all time is on the PC. It's NASCAR Racing 2003 because it's so customizable. It is. It really is. I remember that one. Before EA took over the license completely, Papyrus had one more attempt at a at an at a PC simulator game, mm-hmm. and they had good games before. I had the I had the very first NASCAR racing game on PC by these people, and it was fun. I didn't have a no. steering wheel. I had just the keyboard. It was just arrows. I was I was running Talladega and Daytona on the little arrows, but it was a lot of fun. I played that all the time, and you could go into its little paint shop there and kind of make your own thing. I made a Mac Tonight car on there using nothing but that little paint shop, and it wasn't exact because you can't do a whole lot with that little paint shop back then in a game made in 1994. Right. But it was good enough to where you could tell what the car was on the racetrack. I was so proud of that. But with NASCAR Racing 2003, they went all out. They did. They absolutely went all out. <laughs> and they made EA Sports look like a joke for a while. Mm-hmm. Because EA Sports could not do anything on PC to compete with that. They tried. And after about a month, everybody was like, no, that's crap. We're going back to NASCAR Racing 2003. And until iRacing come around, NASCAR Racing 2003 was being played 15 years later. Or maybe even longer than that. Copies of it at one point were going for like 120 150 bucks on eBay. Yeah. Because it was just that good. And I bought mine for 20 bucks at a Best Buy clearance bin one day. So mm-hmm. I was very happy about that. But yeah, you could customize any car any way you wanted to with Photoshop yeah. and then import it into the game. People made racetracks that were not a thing. People improved real racetracks that were in the game to make them race more like real life. People created mods like late models, sprint cars, 70s cars in NASCAR, like the big wing superbirds, late 80s cars. And some of that's on iRacing now too. But these were average, like normal people doing this. And they were all free. They just threw them out there. It's like, here you go, download this mod. And then you would have random online races with that mod. And it would have like a specific name that you went to. That's, that's been my, that one has been my all-time favorite NASCAR racing game uh, for a long time. And I hope something comes along that I can play nowadays because I can't really play iRacing. I don't have the PC capability to do that, and I don't want to pay a monthly subscription to do it. Yeah, I'm not doing it either. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I hope something comes along for a console pretty soon that at least gives us some kind of uh, creativity in it like that because that was my biggest draw to it was the creativity. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, have my, I have my hopes. I have my hopes high. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I have okay. I have high hopes. Have high for, hopes. Yeah, there we go. I I have high hopes for uh, this NASCAR game that's coming out. I I guess this year. I don't know. I haven't heard absolutely anything about it. I but, think I heard that they're not coming out with a new NASCAR game this year. 
And you know what? That's fine with me because I'm having a blast with NASCAR Heat 5, to be honest with you. But um, one thing before uh, we move on to the next question, um, NASCAR Heat 5, you're talking about how you do um, like your own um, your own team. So in mm-hmm. the in the dirt track or in the dirt late models, I own my own team and it's like a five-star organization. I have, I'm out there like winning every single race now. I drive the number four uh, JBL truck for Kyle Busch Motorsports in the trucks. And then I drive the number 18 Monster Energy, Rowdy Energy, uh, Toyota, uh, Toyota Supra for Jugglers Racing. And then I drive the number 20 DeWalt um, Toyota Camry for Jugglers Racing in the Cup Series. My question is, um, do you ever race at 100% race length on the tracks you've actually been to? I haven't raced at 100% track length. I mean, tr- you know, 100% yeah. race, race length probably in years on a NASCAR game. Cause I'm just doing fast little races at four times tire wear and fuel, you know, fuel use usage. Mm-hmm. So you do make two pit stops a race in these trucks. You know, what you I'm just doing 25% is what I'm doing. Oh, okay. 25%. Okay. Yeah. I just doing something short because that, that gets me the whole weekend practice qualifying in the race in 30 minutes. Okay. Yeah. yeah 30 sense. to 40 minutes or so, depending on how the race goes, but how much practice I actually need because yeah. the tires wear out so fast and you have to really completely drive so different mm-hmm. on NASCAR heat five. If you want to actually be able to make the full fuel run. Yeah. It's I th- yeah. I think that's what I'm going to do. I think, um, I think I'm going to post my stats on Friday. So, uh, everybody can hear this. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I do. So I, I do 100% race length on the race races that I've actually been to. And right before we recorded, I finished uh, my Kansas race and it was really, really fun. Um, <laughs> the bottom, like it, NASCAR E5 is super fun and I'm not trying to get into another tangent, but like, it's so fun because you actually have to search the racetrack for like grooves and um kansas speedway is so much fun anyways like the bottom lane was just not going at all and uh, it was either right up at the you know top of the fence or like right in the middle of the groove um but yeah it was so much fun dude <laughs> all right next question same same person yes favorite driver from each decade the 90s 2000s the 10s and today i'll go first on this one because i have yeah. it all listed out okay I won't say Davey Allison on the nineties because he was gone in 93 and that's an easy answer. I will say more like Rusty Wallace because that was absolutely my favorite driver at that point. Uh, the two thousands came along and Rusty was still there, but Tony Stewart started coming up. So I can't, I can't really pinpoint because Rusty was winding down and Tony was really coming to, into his own. So I'm probably going to be one to say just both. I can't really pinpoint one or the other between Tony and Rusty. Right. And the teens is Tony Stewart. It's all Tony Stewart. And right now, my favorite, my favorite driver is going to be Ross Chastain. Okay. It's just, it's someone that I'm pulling for every single week. I really like what's going on. I haven't really had someone that I'm really like a passionate fan of in a while, probably since Tony Stewart. Someone that you would actually, I would actually go out and buy all the, uh, the Home Depot stuff, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, I really haven't had that in a long time. I thought maybe Chase Elliott was going to be that person, but it's not really working. Yeah. You know, uh, my kids really are into, uh, Denny Hamlin and Chase (sighs) Elliott and Kyle Busch. Okay. See, that last one is good. Yeah. (laughs) Just the first two, just 
Mm-mm. But what about you? <laughs> 90s, two, 2000s, 10s, mm-hmm. and today. All right. So I was born in 94. So I don't remember anything from 90s. And I know I was watching it because I have like, there's a picture of me watching some sort of race when I was like really young. The, the first thing I remember about NASCAR was a 2021, oh, 2001 Daytona 500, um, watching Mike Helton. Uh, do the press conference about Dale Earnhardt's mm-hmm. death. That is the first thing I remember about NASCAR. Um, so I, I don't really, I can't really speak on the nineties. Um, the two thousands, it was definitely Bobby Labonte and that number 18 uh, interstate battery car. For some reason in my entire NASCAR fandom, I have really, really liked whoever was driving the 18 car. I don't know why it was Bobby. Uh, it was Dale Jarrett, Bobby Labonte, uh, JJ Yaley and then Kyle Bush, I believe. Um, I've, I was a big fan of all those people, but, uh, 2000s definitely was, um, uh, Dale or Bobby Labonte, but I was a Kyle Bush fan 2004 and from 2004 on to right now, it's been very much Kyle Bush all the way. So my, my answer is very, very, uh, predictable. Mm-hmm. So it's like half Bobby Labonte. And then the rest of the way, Kyle Busch. I mean, I wouldn't even say half, honestly. Like from 2000- I mean, half, half a year. I mean, half a, oh. half a, half a decade. Yeah, like two thousand one to two thousand three, it was definitely Bobby Labonte. Uh, when he flipped at um, what is it, Talladega? Um, my family actually tormented me, <laughs> and they would say eighteen eighty one, eighteen eighty one, and I would just fall. I would cry so hard because I thought he died. Um, and then they would, they would call him Bobby Ladent for some reason and it really it really made me mad but yeah 2004 i was in fourth grade and that's when i saw kyle bush do an interview and i was team kyle bush ever since okay and there's one from my wife that's going to be a very obvious it's going to be just for me who was your favorite pit crew member well obviously that's going to be her i shared a shared a little story (laughs) post um a little post credit story one day that we were talking about after we were done recording, I said, that's, that'd be fun to just throw at the end of it. I shared yeah. that. I forget what episode it is, but um, it was an early episode. It's like two or three. Uh, go back and check out the post uh, post episode stuff. There's two episodes that have little things at the end of them so far. You know, when you get to the end of the uh, show and the music's hitting and you see there's still six, seven minutes left, keep listening. Might be something interesting. Uh, not this week though. I can't imagine this. Week. <laughs> not this week though. Yeah, but obviously it's her. I mean, come on, she would, she would do everything in the pits, absolutely everything. When I was work, when I was when I was racing, she was she was a mechanic, crew chief, everything. It was oh. she was absolutely amazing. I, I hope we get to do that one day soon uh, again. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Travis Fowler asks. How do today's drivers compare to drivers of the past, like Dale Earnhardt, Davey Allison, Jeff Gordon, and Sterling Marlin? What do you think? This is a great question. Uh, really, really great question. A lot of things go into it, too. Um, for instance, like there was no social media. Um, things were very private, you know, obviously. Um, so, you know, first thing that pops into my head is Kyle Busch and Dale Earnhardt. You know, how Dale Earnhardt pretty much was um, – 
cheered and you know was made out to be a hero because of how aggressive he was and how he had that uh no holds barred type of mentality like no losing allowed mentality kyle bush literally does the exact same thing but kyle bush gets booed out of the out of the racetrack because he's too he's a dirty driver or whatever um man i i think honestly and i don't like saying this but like i feel like the drivers now are a little bit more um trying to find a, a, a pg word to to say um they're just not as tough they aren't at, you know what i mean like um, i agree i agree you know like rusty wallace you know it, it wouldn't be abnormal to see rusty wallace on a tuesday you know out underneath the race car trying to you know tighten bolts and all, all this stuff but then like you get on social media to you know today and you see noah graxton is you know throwing shade at, at ty gibbs or whatever by you know going to a you know i don't know going to a J blue jays game or whatever and it's like man like come on you know that's so and i understand that there's like you know you have to have free time you know um all that stuff but man you have like two months to you know this is your career this is your job i understand you know taking a minute you know to enjoy yourself but like man the, the the drivers from the past you know david pearson uh rusty wallace dale earnhardt um they were the ones who literally were working on their cars while mm -hmm. these kids nowadays they're you know letting their crews take care of it and their you know the team oh well i can go to this baseball game i can go to you know go do this or whatever while my car is getting fixed i don't know i just I like the Iron Man type of mentality that the older race, race drivers had. You know more about what your car is capable of if you have your hands on it. Exactly. And that was the mentality of the older drivers. I look at people like Dale Earnhardt. He came up working on his own stuff. Yeah. He knows everything about that race car. Uh, Davey Allison's the same way. Yes, he has a name and but he wasn't given anything right he was in the shop working on all his stuff if you want to race you better get your car ready that was his deal sterling marlin same way you know i mean yeah these guys it's a different mentality now back then you had guys actually participating and getting under the hood and contributing to what they want and what they need to do and they understood what was going on yeah. i think of this list of four names that Travis gave, I think that Jeff Gordon is the one that transitioned that mentality into the current mentality. I can see that. I can't say that Earnhardt, Davey Allison, Sterling Marlin, those other three names on there and plenty of others, but I can't say that they came up from money. Right. Like, okay. Davey Allison came up with a name. He wasn't racing top-notch, you know, equipment every single week. His first car didn't have a sponsor, right? In Cup, you know, I mean, it just that was just raw talent with yeah. him and what he was capable. of. Not saying that Jeff Gordon's not talented. Obviously, Jeff Gordon's talented, but he was in. He was racing at five years old. At some point, you look at that and you say, "Well, he kind of came up in money, right? He was kind of yeah, he's good, but you got to have the opportunity to get." stuff like that you can be good all you want but if nobody's going to give you the opportunity of it and there's some things money can buy and at some point that became the norm 
where people didn't come up working on their own stuff. People came up because they were trained from a child to do this and the best equipment money could buy. That's kind of where we are today. Not everybody's like that. In fact, there's a few owner operators out there, you know, owner drivers that are not that way. I don't know. I kind of agree with you on the mindset that the older drivers were tougher. They were grittier. Me personally, I feel like they have more personality. What's coming along now, yeah, they might be technically better on the racetrack, like driving-wise, but I can't say that an Earnhardt and his prying won't whip every single one of them. Right. Or grab Davey Allison and throw him on Talladega nowadays in his prime and see if he can't beat them. Yeah. I, absolutely, he'll beat those guys. That's just me, me personally. Rusty Wallace in his prime, will he go – to Bristol right now and lose to Denny Hamlin? I, I, I don't know. I don't think so. But that's also my, my nostalgic looking at how they race compared to how they're racing now. I feel like they had more car control back then. They had to have more car control. Nowadays, now you're seeing you need more car control right. than you were just a few years ago because the cars changed. The way it was back then is the cars drove like that all the time. Like they do now, the cars drive like that all the time. Right. And you had to be like, if you watch an old race at Dover in like 1990, 1991, somewhere in there, watch the tire smoke as those cars go around the racetrack. They're on the ragged edge, sideways through the corner, drifting through the corner, lap after lap, white tire smoke all the way around the racetrack. And you don't, you would never see anything like that. Like once, you know, once the cars got better. You wouldn't see that anymore. I don't know. It's just, it's hard to compare two completely different eras. I like the old greediness and personality of the old drivers better than the current crop. But I do see that the current crop being trained at it since nearly birth, some of them might yeah. technically be better at driving these cars than the old crop would be. Well, I mean, technology as well, you know, it came a long ways. And I think uh, to sum it all up, and so we can move to the next question, I think, uh, what I guess what we could probably agree on is is back then it was more um, cutthroat. It was more, you know, if you wrecked your car, you're like, oh, my gosh, how, you know, scrambling around, like, how am I going to pay for this? How am I going to get here next week? And then compared to, like, if you wreck your car today, it's just like, oh, well, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow or we'll be back next week. And I was like, there's no sense of urgency. And uh, we pretty much answer the next question the last question from uh, drew vensel uh to piggyback off travis's question who is one racer from the past that you wish you could see race against the current day talent in their prime i like i'd love to see rusty wallace davy allison dale earnhardt race against these guys now in their prime yeah um for me it's you know pretty much the same thing uh definitely rusty wallace i want um, oh my gosh, I just had a whole list of them. Gosh <laughs> dang it. Uh, Rusty Wallace, I want... Oh no! No, I just lost the... Oh my god. I can name... like You talk about toughness. Oh, uh, Remember Ricky Rudd? Oh, that's exactly what I was going to say was Ricky Rudd. That um, dude wrecked at a Daytona <laughs> qualifying race, flipped his car, yeah. and went out and raced the next week with duct tape on his eyeballs to keep them open because they were swollen shut yes I dude don't know, i don't know why i couldn't think of that but yes um 
Bobby Labonte, uh, Rusty Wallace, Dale Jarrett, Ricky Rudd. I personally, I'd love to see Buckshot Jones back. Oh, Buckshot. Uh, I love Buckshot. <laughs> yeah. Buckshot Jones is the S.A. Rios of NASCAR. Let's just... You don't like double zero, though. I don't know why. I hate double zero. But he drove the um, he drove the 44 for a while. One, one of the best names in all of NASCAR. Oh, I love it. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Um, but yeah, that, Dick Trickle. Dick Trickle. <laughs> PG, PG, family friend. It's his name. <laughs> I know. In school, I'm, his teacher would call him Trickle, Dick. I know. <laughs> yeah. Last name first. And there's so many jokes that I'm just like trying so hard not to, you know, just, okay, family friendly. Come on, Ethan. <laughs> Dude was a master behind the wheel, though. He really was. Dick Trickle he, was short tracks. He was, he was the man. Yeah. But yeah, Ricky Rudd was another one. Oh, oh I gosh. love Ricky Rudd. Seeing Ricky Rudd in his prime. Was was Ricky Rudd Iceman or was that Terry Labonte? Terry Labonte was Iceman. What was Ricky Rudd's gimmick? I don't know. I thought... Oh, uh, no, 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 no. Maybe Terry Labonte wasn't Iceman. I, I, maybe I, he was, but I know he was Iron Man. Yeah, Terry Labonte was Iron Man. and um, I think no. he had Iceman too, though. Ice, I don't know. Because he never... You can't say Ricky Rudd was Iceman. He, he got a temper. Ricky Rowe would take you out. Yeah. And I mean, he took Jeff Gordon out at Charlotte one day. He also took Do you Jeff remember Harvey this? Do you, oh, yeah. yeah. Do you remember oh, yeah. when he took Jeff Gordon out there? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was I before do. your time. It was uh, 1994 when that happened. Yeah. But man, I was watching that live. I laughed so hard. Like, because you got this kid coming up, Jeff Gordon, and Ricky Rudd's been there for years, right? And he comes underneath uh, Ricky Rudd towards the end of this race, they're running side by side for a few laps. And then Jeff Gordon says, I'm done with you. And he comes up and he doors them, mm-hmm. pushes them up the track. Ricky Rudd said, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I love Comes Ricky off Rudd. of four, pushes him all the way down the straightaway, like pushes him. Yeah. Reverend him later said, I thought we had broke. He was pushing so hard, pushed him all the way down to turn one and spun him out. Both of them hit the wall. And they said on the, I think buddy Baker was commentating at the time. And he said, well, when you wreck somebody else, you got to learn not to wreck yourself. Yeah. But, oh, my God, I loved that. So I thought that was hilarious. I mean, because Jeff Gordon was this kid. Yeah. This spoiled kid. Everybody knew was coming up, and he was good, but he was a spoiled kid. And he roughed the veteran out of the way. Veteran said no. <laughs> anyway, I'd love to see Ricky Rudd back. Yeah, absolutely. So that's it for the questions. I We appreciate oh. all of that. Love Drew it. Vinsel, Travis Fowler, my wife. We appreciate all of it. That's so much fun. Oh my gosh, I love getting questions. So this week is Sonoma, the old Sears Point Raceway. What do you think about Sonoma? What is uh, your what is your take on this track? Challenging, very very challenging. Um, did you, you see, know, did you see the layout they're going to? Yeah, the old one. Well, you say old. I say not as old as I would like. They they had a different layout when I was a kid. Actually, they might have went back to that layout and then come back to the one that they went to after that because they cut off the middle section of this track where they mm-hmm. I think they made like a, a carousel now. Is that what they call it? A yeah. cane or something. And it's it pretty much squares off the end of the racetrack. When in reality, when I was a kid, that that one point of the racetrack that squared off, it looped back around and come inside of itself and had some more like S's like corners and then come back out onto the regular spot. They cut 
God, probably half a mile or more off this track. Right. By cutting that spot out. But that's how it was when I was a kid. So which layout did you like better? Do you like the one that they just came off of? Or do you like the one that they're going back to pre-2019? Pre-2019. Um, I like the, well, my version of the older uh, version of the racetrack. I didn't like the carousel very much at all. It was very confusing to me. Um, the old style is kind of how I was I was raised up. So I'm really excited to see, you know, going it. <laughs> I'm really excited to see it going back to to what it was that I I remember it. I feel like the layout when I was a kid, which is I think what they went back to before they're changing it now. It's it's confusing. My old layout is a layout that they just got away from, like this year. Right. Your old layout is the one they're going back to. It's confusing because yeah. they kind of <laughs> went back and forth. Yeah, it is. Um, they it seems like they're always changing this track. And it isn't like they're adding stuff to it. It's just that the track has multiple ways you can race it. It's like Watkins Glen. There's a whole nother section of the racetrack that NASCAR doesn't use. Right. It's like a Formula One IMSA section. And they use that. Formula One did whenever they raced there. I think Formula One raced there before. Yeah. I think they used to call it the old F1 track. But NASCAR doesn't use that part. Right. Interesting trucks are going to be there this year. Yes, they are. Kyle Bush is driving a new sponsor in Yahoo. Yahoo. Very, if, very in case, excited. In case you didn't know, that was still a thing. <laughs> right. I mean, but I still have an email, so I guess, it, yeah, it's whatever. But I don't care. It's going to be a really pretty diecast. It's purple. Yes, it is. It's very purple. It's my birth color. I love you can, purple. Really. You can hear that car. Yes, you and can. It, when it's not even on, and you can hear it. A truck, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say it's actually going to be a truck, but I didn't yeah. want to be that guy. So, yeah, yeah, be that guy. <laughs> they used to do that whenever uh, they, it was like a thing where they had to like a donate a dollar or five dollars or ten dollars every time they the commentator said car. Oh, back when yeah. it first started, back when yeah. it was the NASCAR super truck series. Right. That's how old I am. So, so what, going into going into picks, what do well, you, you got? Uh, any, uh, hang on, you got any good memories? of uh sonoma i got some all the way back to 91 um the only really good one uh was 2015 kyle bush you know winning uh sonoma after coming from breaking a leg and then on the opposite leg it was the he broke his foot um that was the first race that he he won in the 2015 uh, campaign that ultimately led him to his first ever national cup series championship. And he had to edge out Kurt Busch at Sonoma to get that victory. So that's probably going to be my number one, uh, number one memory for sure. My, uh, I have two, one involved Tony Stewart getting his last win at Sonoma where he, uh, got passed by Hamlin. Yeah. And then coming into the final corner, Hamlin overdrove it. And Tony was pretty much going to get by him, but he doored him for good measure uh, into the wall um, coming off the last corner and got his final win. So that was awesome. And also when I was a kid, and I remember it happening, there was a race where Ricky Rudd, he uh, he spun Davey Allison out with like, I think it was one lap to go. He spun him out. And the slowest part of the racetrack, he spun him out. And Ricky went on took the white flag. Davey Allison got collected because they had a good little lead on third. He got collected, fell in behind, but he was like maybe about three or four seconds behind. So 
Ricky, clear sailing all the way to the checker flag. Well, when they went to drop the checker flag, they dropped the black flag for Ricky Rudd for spinning Davy Allison out. And Davy Allison got the checker flag. <laughs> <laughs> I have never oh. seen NASCAR do that before or since. Like like a local dirt track. If somebody wrecks somebody like that, they'll black flag you and they'll give it to the guy behind you. I have never seen NASCAR do that before. It it shows a little bit of a favoritism to Davey Allison. <laughs> or they just wanted to stick it to Ricky Rudd, one of the two. Right. What a moment. Go back and watch that on YouTube if uh, if you're at all interested in that. It's a 1991 Sears Point. Unprecedented moment in NASCAR history. And Ricky Rudd's team did not understand it. And, you know, I don't think anybody understood it. But it happened. And Davey won the race. Heck, yeah. That's awesome. Have, did you know that that happened? No, I had no idea. I was learning as you were talking. It's I, I can't I can't explain how crazy that situation actually was because that doesn't happen. If you spend somebody on the last lap, they're not going to throw the black flag at you instead of the checker. You're going to win the race. That's just because people do it all the time now. But back then, they had more respect than that. They didn't do that stuff all the time. So when that happened, you got black flagged, <laughs> and black flag means disqualified. If somebody doesn't know, I mean, because we say we throw around terms like white flag, black flag all the time. But if you don't know, you don't know. And if you come across this and you're listening to us because we're, you know, because you're friends of us and you want to support us or something like that, but you really don't know much, much about racing in general, it's good to drop these little nuggets of information once in a while. White flag, last lap, black flag, disqualified. Um, you want to go into picks. Yeah. You choose first. What do you think? Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure I know who you're going to pick. Um, I really need to get this win, but I have one in mind and I don't know if it's going to technically count. So I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm going to go with AJ Allmendinger. He's racing this weekend. Yes. Is he? Okay. Yes. Yes. I saw that. I saw it. Uh, He's driving number 16 this weekend. Okay, good. Yes, AJ Allmendinger is my pick. Okay, he's uh either going to win it or finish near the back because he overdrives it. <laughs> yeah, usually that's usually yes. how it goes with somebody that's a ringer like that. Yes, they'll either be in over their heads and they'll take out somebody or take out themselves, and or they'll end up winning the whole thing like he did at the uh, Indy Road Course. Did yeah, he win absolutely. the Indy Road Course and Cup? Yes, he did. Because that's why he was in the All Star race this year. Yes. Let's see. Who do you think I'm going to pick? I think you're either going to pick Larson or Elliott. I'm going to pick a Ford. Ooh, that's a mistake. Why? I don't know. know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm going to pick a Ford. All right. I'm going to pick a Penske Ford. Oh, I'm picking back to back. Joe Logano. Hmm. Yes. He's going to go back to back. They got some speed right now. I just... He gets. He's gonna get out front, and he's gonna hold him off. That's what I well, feel. I I truly can say this with all honesty. I hope you are absolutely wrong. Um, you might man. have the pick of the year. I'll tell you what. I'm. Uh, I, you know, I literally thought that I would pick Elliot. You would pick Larson, or vice versa, or something. But man, this this is gonna. This is interesting. I. Um, I don't know. I think AJ Allmendinger is really, really good at road courses. I don't know if Joey Logano has ever won out a road course, has he? Well, 
He will this week if he had. Oh my, well, that's a lot of confidence. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I think that's going to do it for the show. Uh, looks like it's going to be kind of a long one this week. Yeah, I was going to say, man, it, it's probably going. Well, we had up. a lot going on at the beginning, and then some questions got added to yeah, it, and a movie review. You're going to watch Cars Three next <sighs> week, so you know. Hey, I don't know. I have a twenty dollar bill. I know. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> Nope. I don't know if you watch it, man. I'll watch it too, just to refresh it. I have a $40 bill with your name on it. I will call you and we will watch it together. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, now you're acting like Phil Venus. Oh, I want to go into the Drafting Partners. All right. Podcast Drafting Partners. First off, Fully Posable Wrestling Figure Podcast. Great show, obviously. Uh, one of the reasons why, one of the main reasons why we even met it's through that show. Uh, side project with Scott from that show is Drunk Wrestling History, where they're now not always accurate, but they're always drunk. Yes. Doing the favor with Eric and Barry, another really good one right now. They're kind of on hiatus, but I think they're coming back eventually. But anyway, go back and listen to their old stuff. That's a good show. It's a good fun fun banter. Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast, another really good one. Um, trying to keep a positive spin on all things wrestling and uh you can't tell we like wrestling. A lot of wrestling podcasts and sports podcasts here. Boot to the Face is another really, really good listen. Uh, big shout out to Jason Wolf and uh, his Wolf Wolf's Chop Shop, yes. where he makes custom Hasbro-style figures. Uh, great artist. Uh, just hit him up on Twitter, at uh, Art of Jason Wolf. And OutsidersBeardCo.com is a uh, project of um, Big Underscore Bane who also did the intro music to our podcast. Yes. And he's got more music coming out pretty soon as well. He's just got to finish, finish uh, mixing it and all that from what he, from what I understand. I like and, my, I like my music shaken, not mixed. No. Yeah. You, <laughs> you didn't know where you were going. With no, that. I did not know where I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm an idiot. <laughs> anyway. I was just waiting. I was waiting on the punchline. I was just waiting Sorry. on it. I was like, oh, wait, that's not the word. <laughs> God. But um, anyway, he's got amazing products on OutsidersBeardCo.com. I use them all the time. And uh, Ethan would, too, if he had a beard. Maybe yeah. he still does with skin balm. I don't know. Yeah, I, I replaced my beard with my double chins. So, <laughs> uh, Who do you got, Ethan? <laughs> um, first off, I want to uh, shout out to Jeff Toon. I know he's battling some health issues right now. He's going to kick out. He's fine. I, I text him and stuff every day. And um, just you know, want him to know that we're, we're thinking of him over here. And I think everybody in the fig life community is, is definitely uh, pulling for him. So he'll be back on his feet here in no time. Just know that we're, we're thinking about you, pal. Um, so for my draft partners, I have Breaker and Bane's Power Hour. Uh, one pro wrestler and one rapper, friends since the seventh grade, get together and talk everything, movies, comics, and professional wrestling, and anything that makes you say WTF. Um, definitely an all around awesome, fun podcast. I love listening to them. Uh, it drops every Sunday. Uh, you know, it's fake, right? Brian Breaker goes in depth conversation with professional wrestlers, referees, managers, fans, and anyone that has pro wrestling ties for in, 
interactive and insightful conversation. You and I both have been guests on that podcast. It's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it can go from pro wrestling to Funkos to NASCAR. It's just all over the place, and I love it. Uh, toy uh, TB Toycast. So join Brian Breaker and Travis Fowler as they uh, take you on a trip down the toy aisle. Uh, Travis and Brian are both massive toy fans, and now you can hear them talk fondly about the toys that they grew up with and what is new and upcoming on the, in the toy world. I think they're on a, a little bit of a um, a little break right now, um, just because like s- schedules are so hard. You know, you and I know that uh, firsthand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure they'll they'll be back here. Uh, in no time. Uh, no holds barred with Bill Benis. So get ready for some no holds barred action with your host, the legendary Bill Benis and his co-host Bane, as they bring you the most insightful pro wrestling uh, podcast ever. So uh, that's also on hiatus. I think it's coming back soon if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they have seasons. Yeah. And uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Tales from the estate join Drew and his wife, Caitlin, as they take you on a magical trip full of gut-busting laughter, head-scratching random facts, and their favorite top five lists of things that they enjoy. Uh, Pop-tarts, it doesn't matter. Candy, uh, they talk about everything. So I'm trying to figure out a a good, really good top five for them, and I just cannot come up with anything. Um, Another good podcast is Pulling Up a Chair um, with our friend Tim at A Chair Shot a podcast spotlighting anyone who loves pro wrestling figures, including customizers, creators, collectors, and anybody that's actually in the business. Um, I also want to shout out our friends at Toyota. Without Toyota, the majority of the world would be stuck at a standstill. So Toyota, moving forward. And the official energy drink of In the Marvels podcast, Rowdy Energy. And finally, Lionel Racing. Lionel Racing is uh, puts out some of the most detailed NASCAR diecast cars and trucks um i have a couple of them on pre-order i'm super excited um they're absolutely killing it over there and i want to thank everybody for listening to this week's show if you would please rate and review follow us on all our social media twitter and instagram at in the marbles pod and you can find us on facebook you can email the show at in the marbles pod at gmail.com and also i would like you to check out whatamaneuver.net They have a search by store tab in the top left corner. If you click that, you can scroll down to In the Marbles, and there's our shirt. It's called Allison. So retro design, throwback, uh, Davey Allison paint scheme with my personal number from racing, November 53, mixed in with a little dirt because we both enjoy dirt racing on a newer style NASCAR, next-gen NASCAR. It's a really fun collaborative thing that kind of encapsulates everything we like about NASCAR and about racing in general. And um, before we get out of here, man, you got anything you want to add? As always, peace, love, and all the above. And we'll see you next time in the marbles.